Well, hello everyone. This is J.B. Hickson with NBW Ministries, proclaiming the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message. And we're coming to you today from our studio beneath the sky, tucked away under the tall timbers of Colorado. Thank you so much for joining us. It's Thursday, February the 1st, 2024. And I've got a great, great guest today, a man that I've known for many years, collaborated in ministry many times, shared the platform at conferences. He's also been on our podcast before, and that is Russ Miller with Creation Evolution and Science Ministries. And I'll bring him on here in just a moment. Can't wait to talk to Russ about uh, the topic today. We're going to be talking about false Christs and the Christian industrial complex. I love that last phrase. I'm going to get him to kind of break it down for us, uh, but uh, we resonate on so many areas of what's going on in this old sin-stricken world. So Russ will be on here in just a moment, but as always, want to mention a few announcements. It's uh, not too late to sign up for our monthly Zoom live Q&A for our premier subscribers only. Mondo Gonzalez is our special guest this month. That'll be Thursday, February the 15th. At 6 o'clock Mountain, 7 o'clock Central, that's 8 Eastern. Uh, and it gives our premier subscribers the opportunity to just interact with Mondo, ask him some questions, and just dialogue a little bit. Uh, so premier subscribers, mark your calendars for that. You should have received an invitation to that already with the Zoom link. Uh, it, you'll also find it on our Premier subscriber page that uh, the Premier members have access to. Uh, if you've ever thought about joining, uh, give it a shot. It's a small monthly fee. Uh, you can cancel at any time, and I know you'll enjoy all of the extra content, uh, not just these monthly Zoom Q&As, but we have tons of free content uh, that comes with your membership. So check that out. Um, and we appreciate your prayers and support. We're headed into the travel season. So we will be road warriors. I think we've got four uh, speaking engagements over the next six weeks and uh, I'll be home for two weeks uh, at Plum Creek in the home church there. Uh, so be sure and watch the live stream uh, when I'm there if you're if you're interested uh, and keep up with our travels. Pray for us as we're on the road. The, Wendy will be with me and some of the other family will be with us at some of the bigger conferences, but so thankful to get to travel and share the Word of God, bring the gospel to various places, and of course, awaken people to all that's going on in this uh, these great last days of deception. So uh, our verse for the day, oh, one more thing, the, the uh, website, notbyworks.org, that's where you'll find all kinds of free resources, videos, podcasts, uh, documents. Check out the free section of the online store, and uh, that's how you can stay in touch with us. So our verse for the day, a couple of them. I want to start since today's uh, the uh, first of the month. I was uh, starting over in my pattern of reading a proverb a day, and in Proverbs 1, we see a foundational verse, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And we're going to be talking about some fools today who, even within the walls of the church, uh, uh, may not be believers because they've never trusted in Jesus Christ for their salvation, but even believers can act very foolish sometimes when they cater to the flesh and get out of uh, the Word and stop fearing the Lord, having that awareness and consciousness of God in every aspect of life. That's what it means to fear the Lord. And uh, Paul addresses uh, this possibility and this uh, scenario in his second letter to the Corinthians. He wrote it on his third missionary journey, um, uh, 56, 57 AD, sometime in that time frame. And listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and then we're going to bring Russ on and get his take on this and uh, talk about false Christ. But he's, Paul says, I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, 
so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit that you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. And boy, that that doesn't describe the church today, all over the map doctrinally, false gospels everywhere, eager, naive Christians lining up to gobble up false teachings. Uh, boy, that's a that's a problem in our culture today. So Russ Miller, he's with Creation Evolution and Science Ministries. You can find out more about that at christianministries.org. For years, we carried a number of his great resources, including his excellent book, The Cost. Uh, you want to encourage you to pick that up uh, at his website. Uh, he's also got some great DVD resources and thumb drives with some some of his top teachings. Uh, well, Give a Reason is a great uh, series to give away to folks that just sort of explain uh, the creation account from a biblical worldview, and of course, the gospel as well. So, Russ, thanks so much for joining us, taking of your valuable time. Glad to have you on the program. JB, I'm honored to be on your program and always, always love working with you and sharing with you. Well, you are a blessing. We 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 really have a lot of fun together. Uh, in years past, we uh, joined you on some of your Grand Canyon tours and just uh, really, really value your stand uh, for truth especially in the face of criticism. You know, the age of the earth is one of those issues that is not for the faint of heart because it's a kind of like a, a third rail, uh, like some other issues. And whenever I have guests on that talk about it, I'm flooded with emails from people that, you know, just uh, insist that the earth is millions of years old. They hold to the gap theory. They hold to this or to that. Uh, but we're, we've stood firm on this for 35 years of ministry and you've done it for longer than that. So, but today we're going to talk about another sort of, uh, problem in the church today, false Christs and uh, what you call the Christian industrial complex. So take it away, my friend. Well, JB, that is a, a uh, it's a big issue. And actually, the age of the earth has a lot to do with it. So I hope those that are listening will, will listen with an open mind and they can make their own decision what they want to uh, trust in and believe in after that, after we get through this talk today. But uh, the, the Christian industrial complex is a multi-billion dollar industry. People need to understand that. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. And some people may be well-meaning, and there are good Christians that, that work in that industry, and, and that's fine. They provide some good products, uh, Christian-oriented products. I see nothing wrong with that. When The issue is when... The Word of God and Jesus Christ and, and, and the Bible is really more your means for producing your, your living rather than you're serving God of the Bible. Now you've crossed the line. And in, as a ministry, God and His Word is there for us to serve and stand up for and, and show people why they can trust God's Word and believe in Jesus Christ. But when your main focus is on selling products that make you money based on God and his word, and you're not standing up for the truth of God's word, I think you're, you've been misled. And, and uh, there's a lot of that going on. There's a lot of gray area in there, and it's not up to me to say who's who. Jesus knows, and he'll, he'll straighten it all out in the end. But people do need to be aware that there is a multi-billion dollar industry there. Yeah. And you mentioned, go ahead. 
ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, that's a fact. And I, I, I'm sure I know the answer to this, but uh, just so that someone else can maybe say it for a change. Uh, do you agree that that very likely many of the key evangelical leaders that we see, you know, on TV and so forth and writing the books, do you believe that many of them might be controlled or co-opted by a, you know, sort of the, the elite system out there? Well, I, I unfortunately would have to say there's no doubt about that. Yeah. And uh, we'll get into this in, in a few minutes, but the age of the earth is actually the linchpin in the whole battle of worldviews. Whether or not there was a global flood is the actual linchpin. And we'll talk about it in a moment, but just to give you a hint of what we're going to look at today is, you know, when we talk about false Christ, because Jesus warned us multiple times that false Christ would be a sign of the last days, false Christ, false prophets, false teachers. Yet it doesn't seem like people on our side inside of the, the, the you know, the what we would consider the Christian church are looking out for that at all. And that makes them right to be uh, misled, especially I've seen studies that say only 2% of Christians read the Bible on a regular basis. Well, if, if you don't know what the Bible says, you are going to be so easily misled. It's going to be, you've got to be like a Brian today, the Brians of old, and, you know, compare what you hear to God's word. But, um, you know, we've got, uh, we like to point our fingers, you know, we'll point our fingers out there at uh, whether there's those, uh, uh, you know, those Mormons or those those you know Jehovah's Witnesses or this or that, but every time we're pointing our finger, we got three pointing right back at us: the after Christ and progressive creation Christ. I and just the fact that there's more than one. Now I know there's there's some of you listening out there that, that have been misled on those issues. How many Jesuses died on that cross, and which one of those three that I just named is it? Wow. Do you see the problem and Jesus warned of false Christ. He warned in, in uh, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, that in the last days, of last days prophecy here, men will be lovers of their own selves, their own knowledge, prideful, boastful. There's a whole list. And at the end of that list, it says having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Wait a minute, having a form, not exactly the Jesus of the Bible, but a, a form, it sounds a lot like him, but it's not because they're denying his power. Well, think about this. Well, well, I believe in Jesus, but he couldn't have created in six days. I mean, and, and I believe in Jesus, but he couldn't have judged the world with a flood that covered all the high hills under the whole heaven. <laughs> a form, and that's what theistic evolutionists, progressive creationists, and gap theorists all are doing. Um, so I want to—I don't want to turn those people off. I used to be a theistic evolutionist. I'm not here to attack you, nor is JB. We're here to help you. To if you don't like the term. To evangelize we we think mo i think 90 percent of the people in those camps are well-meaning they've just been misled and they just need to see some of the facts that you and i can share with them and watch their faith skyrocket i used to be a theistic evolutionist until like uh, god showed me the, the information i now share with others so we're you know the bible talks about the the labor the harvest is right but the laborers are few and i think the harvest is right inside of Christian churches today, uh, both uh, Pew and Barna research, have, I've seen uh, polls from them that say that half of Christians don't. I mean, they're 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 doing this. They're they're actually believing in one of these non-biblical Christs. And half of pastors, seventy percent of their seminary dads are doing the same thing. I got an email from a, a parent 
just last week that his son is is a freshman in a Christian college and wanted to go into youth ministry, but the head of the youth ministry is teaching him that the Bible is not to be taken literally. It doesn't really mean global flood, you know, and didn't really mean a six-day creation. And I've got to tell you, to me, that's that's a wolf inside, you know, that's a sheep, uh, wolf dressed as a sheep inside the flock. But 90%, over 90% of our seminaries and colleges teach that. And it has filled the church, and there's nothing in there that wasn't foretold would be signs of the last days. So that's what we want to get more in and talk to. Yeah, I mean, you you know where my mind goes when we talk about this stuff, and 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 what I've kind of devoted the lion's share of my time to the last eighteen years is the Luciferian conspiracy. My last three books kind of make that case. So you know, I always ask the question: How did we get here? How is it that most pastors, uh, particularly the younger pastors, are buying into these lies? Uh, you know, contrary to the you know, like against the infallibility and inerrancy of Scripture, and uh, you know, adopting and embracing the transgender, uh, you know, gender surrender movement, those types of things. Well, it was not by accident. Of course, we know biblically this is part of the you know the the prediction in Scripture that the things will get worse and worse. Second Timothy three thirteen, but from a uh, human perspective and Satan's co-conspirators, it's pretty clear that early on, particularly back around the turn of the 20th century, they the elites, the ones that are kind of working hand in puppet with Satan, intentionally decided to take over just about every sector of society, and that included religion. So look, I get that you know the satanic involvement in in man-made religion goes all the way back to the ancient Near East. We understand that. We understand the Malachs and the Baals and the Ashtoreths. We get that. But in America, by and large, the early days of our country were filled with God-fearing, Bible-believing men and women who love the Lord and were simply trying to study His Word and promote the good news. But, you know, as you know, as the influence of the, the Spirit of God through the church became more and more of a stumbling block for the Luciferian elite who were trying to take over this country, they decided, long about 1900, they've got to take over the institutions. And so when they took over higher education, they didn't just take over secular schools. Remember, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, they all used to be divinity schools. They used to be Christian schools. All schools in this country were founded on a biblical principle. So they they took over those, they took over the secular institutions, they took over so many other sectors of society, big business, big pharma, big medicine. Uh, and so here we are 120 years later, and it shouldn't surprise us that these seminaries are putting out uh, either unbelievers or vastly backslidden and ignorant uh, you know, uh, Christians. It's hard to find a good Bible college or seminary anymore. Uh, we had a guest on recently that's uh, from Colorado Biblical University, great school. Chafer Seminary, where Dr. Woods is president, great school. There's some great ones out there, but they're fewer and far between. So, yeah, we're talking today with uh, Russ Miller, uh, Creation, Evolution, and Science Ministries, and I just wanted to to mention, you know, how we got here from a from a conspiracy perspective. This isn't by accident. There's some pretty powerful people intentionally trying to infiltrate uh, the church because uh, the church is Satan's biggest fear. Mm, absolutely, I uh, <clears throat> I was uh, talking to a, a pastor a couple months ago and. Good God honoring Bible believing pastor. Sounds odd to have to say that, doesn't it? But uh, 
it uh, he he's a good one. And I, I we were talking about all these false teachers in, in, in inside the church today. And I said, how did it ever get to this point? And he said, well, from his standpoint, what he noticed what happened was an entire generation of up and coming uh, new church leaders and pastors and worship directors, et cetera, went off to Bible colleges and came back not believing what the Bible says. And they filled the church and started spreading their false teachings all over before the God-iron pastors realized what was taking place. And now, today, it's just so typical that they're coming out of these seminaries. They go in believing God's word, and they come out with all these, oh, well, that the Bible's not really to be taken literally. It, it's allegorical, which, by the way, is the same message I get from atheists. They, they email me and say, the Bible's not literal. It's allegorical. And I'm, I'm like, are you teaching at a Christian college? Because that's what they're saying there, too. And, <laughs> yeah. It's a situation. Now, there are some good Christian colleges, but I, it's probably about one out of ten. You got to watch. And they might have the, they might speak the best Christianese, JB. Mm. They may know the Bible inside and out, but remember, so does Satan. But here, here is my my litmus test. No matter who it is, no matter how popular they are or how many millions of dollars they may be making, no matter how many people they employ, et cetera, et cetera, if at the end of the day they promote a different Jesus than the Jesus of the Bible, that is the person you need to turn and run away screaming at the top of your lungs from. Amen. That's just for me. You know, a lot of people wonder, well, like with creation, does God really care if you, if you, you know, believe in him as a creator? He says he is. Hey, can I give you five points that, that I, I've started pointing out, folks? Think about these. These are all big hitters, too. The first five words of the Bible, the first five words God has already told you he's the creator. Right up front, the first thing God does is declare he's the creator. In the beginning, God, what? Created. Then move to the Ten Commandments. I have a little trick question I ask people. I'll say, hey, you guys all believe that all the Bible, the entire Bible is inspired by God, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I say, well, actually, it's not because the Ten Commandments are actually etched into stone by God's very own finger. It's kind of a cheap shot, but... <laughs> And uh, I just kind of goof around with people on that. Say, but think about those Ten Commandments. In the middle of the brief little Ten Commandments, God reiterates, for in six days the Lord made the heaven, the earth, the seas, and all that in them is, and rested on the seventh day. In the middle of the Ten Commandments, he declares he's the creator who created in six days. Think about this. On the day of Jesus' resurrection, the first Resurrection Sunday, he, he he approaches his two disciples walking away from Jerusalem, Emmaus. They've heard he's resurrected. They don't even believe it. They're gone. They're out of there. He approaches his two disciples. And on the day of Jesus's resurrection, he starts teaching his disciples with Moses. And no doubt he had to explain how he's a creator. His creation was corrupted by our sin that brought death into the world and he had to die on that cross. That Messiah had to die in our place. On the day of his resurrection, he starts with, with creation. And I think that's an assumption, but it's a fairly safe assumption. Think about this. The last time the gospel is even mentioned in the Bible, in Revelation 14, verses uh, 7 through 9, 
an angel's holding the everlasting gospel, the never-changing gospel. And what's that angel doing the last time the gospel's mentioned? Exhorting the people on earth to worship the creator. Mm -hmm. He who created the heavens and the earth and the sea. Think about this, JB. The first time the elders are, the 24 elders are in heaven with the four beasts, and they all fall down before and throw their golden crowns at the feet of who? The creator. Creator, yeah. Do we, for some reason, think Jesus isn't expecting us to honor him as the creator that he is? So when we deny it's people say, oh, you think you're saying, but you're, you think people are saved by believing in creation. Well, not by believing in creation, but believing in the creator. Remember, because we think of Jesus just as savior, but how can he be our savior? Well, he was our judge and he put as our loving judge, he put the death sentence we deserve on himself. Well, that's that's good. That's great. But wait, wait, wait. What what gives Jesus the right to judge us? Well, he created us. Yeah. He's our creator. Because of that, he has the right to be our judge. And because he's our loving judge, he put the death sentence that we deserve on himself and became our savior, shedding his blood on a cross, his shed blood covering our sin, and then rose from the grave on the third day to fit, beat death for eternity. Creator, judge, and savior. That's the Jesus of the Bible. Yeah, absolutely. It all comes down to which Jesus are you believing in. And it's not any old Jesus will do. Uh, you know, the, the, the gospel has very precise content. In fact, I've written a book about this, uh, Getting the Gospel Wrong. Uh, and it, it, it delineates quite clearly in Scripture what precisely someone has to believe about Jesus to be saved. And it's when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father but by me, that settles it. There's only one Jesus that will save, and it's the Jesus, the Son of God, who died and rose again for your sins. So, yeah, absolutely understanding that he is the creator. Hebrews tells us that. Colossians tells us that. It goes to the heart of the Trinity. It goes to the fact that Jesus is God, and only uh, a God, only a God man could save us. Any other man was insufficient to take our sins upon him at the cross because he had enough sins of his own to deal with. But Jesus lived a perfect, holy, sinless life, fully man, yet fully God. And therefore, he had room to pay the sins for the whole world, which he did. He defeated death, hell, and the grave when he rose from the dead. And now he alone can offer eternal life to those who believe in him for it. Uh, you know, as I was listening to you talk about uh, people who try to disconnect the gospel from the rest of the Bible, or at least the first 11 chapters of the Bible, I was reminded of a conversation I had last week with Lucas Doremus about quantum computing. And it's fascinating to me to see how the Luciferian elite, the transhumanists, the technocrats, are hard at work trying to use quantum computing as a panacea to become gods, to create godlike technologies, to overcome uh, life and death and live forever and create life, um, they they are attacking the creator by attacking the creation. Now, we know it's a dead-end street. They'll never be able to accomplish ex nihilo creation. Uh, only God, the eternal creator, can do that. But this is a full-on assault, and it is, it is really dangerous when Christians believe the lie that the creation account in, in Scripture is not important or it's irrelevant or we can just agree to disagree. Absolutely not. It is Satan's crosshairs are right on 
that aspect of God as the creator. He's conquered just about everything else. I mean, he's conquered gender, he's conquered language, he's you know, he's really made great inroads, which is why I believe we're getting close to the end. Uh, but he right now is putting all of his eggs in the basket of of, of transhumanism and 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 those Christians who have not embraced the literal six-day 24-hour creation account, a young earth, they are they are sitting ducks to buy into this great last day's deception. Well, it does set it up for failure. I mean, Satan is an expert of what he does. He's the father of lies, and he knows how to come across as an angel of light. Keep that in mind. Just because someone looks like an angel of light, you might think this is the best Christian I've ever seen or heard in my life. He's written best-selling books and this and that and the other thing. But if he's promoting a different Jesus, that's my wolf test right there. Now, Jesus will be the one who really says who is who. But you should run away screaming at the top of your lungs. Don't be following someone who's promoting a different Jesus. Um, you know, we're told, in fact, disciples asked Jesus, what would be the signs of the last days right before the end of the world when you return? And the, he said, well, make sure that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. But they're not. They're they're false Christ. And you know, we 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 picture someone out in a field standing on a podium saying, "I'm Christ." No, no. What what about what about the theistic evolution Christ who did not create in six days? He 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 used evolution to evolve us over millions of years of time. Whose corruption was not corrupted by Adam's sin that brought death in the world because. The theistic evolutionist thinks, no, no, death was the good tool God used to slowly evolve us over millions and billions of years. And he never judged the world with a flood that covered all the high hills under the old heaven. This is the age of the earth issue, by the way. No, no, he is just a local flood. These are two totally different Christs here. Yes, and they you are. Can do the same thing with the progressive creation Christ, you can do the same thing with the gap theory Christ. Now, they all, at the end of the day, do believe that Christ died on the cross for their sin. That the, I used to... I don't know if I've ever done this with you, but I, I've learned to do this with sugar packets at restaurants. And I'll say, here's the biblical price. I'll take a white packet and I'll sugar and I'll put it down. He says he created in six days, rested on the seventh. I'll take a white packet. says man's sin brought death and the world corrupting his creation. Third one, he judged a white packet. He judged the world with a global flood. And that's Jesus that died on the cross and rose from the grave. You got four white packets. And then you can do this with any one of the other three. Let's just pick on theistic evolutions to represent them all. I'll take a pink packet and put down, he, he evolved this slowly over millions of years. And I'll take a blue packet and put on top of that. And it was actually death that was used to bring man along through millions of years of evolution. And then I'll take another pink one and he never judged sin with a global flood. It was just a local flood. So you got, you got the four white here with the biblical Jesus. Now you got a, what a, what a, a pink and a blue and a pink and that, but I do put a white one on top. He does believe that uh, Jesus died on the cross. Now, some people will say, and JB, I'll say this, only Jesus can answer this question, but some people will say, oh yeah, those are two totally different Christ. They're, they're, they're worshiping a false Christ. Another person might say, but they do believe Jesus died on the cross, but here's the problem. They don't believe the biblical Jesus died on the cross. They believe they're made up. Jesus died on a cross. Yes. And that's a dangerous place to be. I would never tell that person they're not saved, but I would warn them and warn them and let them know that many will come to Christ on that day saying, uh-uh, they'll be saying, Lord, Lord, they're all excited. And Jesus is going to say, no, get away from me. I never knew you. 
Yeah. Why? I, I mean, that's a great word picture there and a, and a, and a visual aid. Uh, and, and I want to echo what you're saying. I mean, soteriology, the doctor of salvation is really my underlying passion. Uh, and it's what we're all about here at Not By Works, the clarity, accuracy, and urgency of the gospel. And it, it sadly, it is possible for a person who's saved, who's a believer, to be led astray by false teaching and come to embrace one of these false teachings that you are talking about. doesn't mean they're not saved. It just means they're wrong. And, uh, uh, and that error is, has grave consequences because it's going to lead them out of fellowship with the Lord. It's going to lead to other errors. And we know from Scripture that in these great last days, even believers will have itching ears and will end up, you know, uh, falling prey to false teaching. But if all a person has ever believed from the moment of conversion is one of these other Jesuses, and they're putting their hope in one of these false Christs, then we can say on the authority of Scripture that they're not saved. So either way, it's a warning to make sure you have believed in Jesus and Him alone as your Savior, and then recognize that if you don't you know, believe the first 11 chapters of the Bible precisely as they're written, what is it you say all the time? Word for word and cover to cover, right? If you don't believe that, then you are missing out on the majesty, the power, the glory of Almighty God, and it just kind of starts you off in a wrong tangent for the whole rest of God's narrative. And God's Word is is His way of, of telling us everything we need to know about Him. And if you start it off wrong, man, you're missing out. So you probably heard the analogy, you leave uh, the harbor in Los Angeles heading to Hawaii, if you're off by a tenth of a degree, you'll never even see the islands. You'll miss them by so, by so much. Exactly. It's yeah. the same thing. That's the reason I would never tell someone doing this that they're not saved, because only Jesus can answer that question. Some of them may just be misled and maybe a loss of rewards. Some of them are deliberately misleading or they've never accepted the real Jesus. And they're going to those people are, are not going to be saved. But I don't know who's who. Um, Jesus will straighten that out. So what I, I try to tell people is and, and even if, if you are doing that and you are saved, because you at one time believed in the real Jesus, that you're now misleading others. So, right. you know, there's a lot that goes into this. And I would I would never tell that person they are or they are not saved. I'll say, I don't know. Only Jesus does. And um, so the, we, we talked about the age of the earth earlier. Unfortunately, all these other, uh, most of the non-biblical Christs, in fact, everyone that I'm aware of uh, are they start off wrong because of the age of the earth. They've accepted millions and billions of years. And JB, you and I know this, but I just want people to know. And and they can get some of my, my book, my the cost, or my I suggest my thumb drive to give a reason thumb drive that they can make all the copies and give them away they want. But it has my five top teachings, and I cover the age of the earth and the global flood. And the uh, global flood is the linchpin. The old earth beliefs were all invented uh, about two hundred. And 20 to well, 150 to 220 years ago, the geologic column was invented 220 years ago. That's that drawing 12 primary layers of, of the Earth's crust based on the belief they form uniformly and slowly without a global flood over millions of years. They assigned ages to the 12 layers. This is where all old Earth beliefs come from, not from radiometric dating. Radiometric dating gets a wide range of dates. They have to get a date that matches the column. So they really all come from the column which is just a drawing. The biblical view is all those sedimentary layers stratified out by grain size, weight, and density by moving water. This region have all shale together, all mudstone together. They're laid down by moving water. That's all proof of the flood. 
Mm-hmm. So in 2 Peter 3, 3 through 6, it's foretold in the last days, this another last days prophecy, people, and I'm going to paraphrase here, they're going to, they're going to claim uniform processes and deny the flood. And that's what secular geology has been based on for over 100 years now, a belief in uniform processes and no global flood based on the geologic column, thinking the layers form slowly and uniformly, not quickly in a global flood. Global flood wipes out every old earth belief. All the old earth beliefs put death before Adam. And if someone asks you, how can we have a loving God in this world full of death and suffering? If you've accepted old earth beliefs, you can't biblically answer that question. Mm -hmm. Because the biblical answer is God didn't give us the world the way it is today, full of death and suffering. God gave us a perfect creation. Well, what happened to it? Adam's first sin, Adam's original sin, brought in death, brought on the curse, allowed death to enter. And that's why we live in a world full of death today, but we have a loving God. In fact, how loving is God? See, and that's, that's the biblical answer, but it should go further. And that is this, that, that original sin that allowed death to enter separated us from God. That required us to be redeemed with God. But we've got a problem. To be redeemed with God, you have to be 100% righteous, sinless. And we're all sin, sinners. So how loving is God despite our sin that corrupted his creation, allowed death and suffering to enter and separate us from him? Despite our sin that caused all that, he sent his only begotten son to suffer and die on a cross. His shed blood covering our sin, rising the third day to defeat death for eternity. Now that's as loving a God wow. as you can ask for. But if you put death before Adam, as every old earth belief does, you can't answer that question. Oh. You can't, and it's our seminaries. They're teaching that millions of years of death existed before man. Well, if you believe that, you can't believe man's sin brought in death, separating us from God and there, there's the train wreck right there. Yeah. And that's why we're losing so many Christian kids today. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, if you don't think God's powerful enough to speak the world into existence roughly 6,000 years ago over six literal 24-hour days, then why would you believe he's powerful enough, powerful enough to save you from the penalty of sin? right? It completely marginalizes and waters down God. I want to go back to your discussion of uniformity, which is completely predicted, as you said, in Second Peter 3. Uh, just to kind of clarify that a little bit more for our listeners, we talked about this last week with uh, uh, Lucas Doremus. By the way, if you haven't listened to that one, man, you want to go back and listen to it. It was a powerful uh, discussion. But basically what they do is they take a tiny subset of data and they calculate some things from that, and then they extrapolate that out over a huge set of data. And when it comes to the age of the Earth, they they look at a small data and 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 then say, oh well, the Earth must be if we extrapolate this out, that must be millions or billions of years old. Well, I always remind people, uh, you know, for, with God, that's that's no problem at all to to have the alternative answer to that bad science, that pseudoscience. If you met Adam one second after he was created, you would say, man, you look like you're about 30 years old. And he would go, nope, I'm one second old. Well, there's a huge difference between one second and 30 years. I haven't done the math, but 30 years is a lot of seconds. And so if you're going to say, well, you look one second to me and I'm going to, so therefore, you know, uh, then you would think the earth is billions of years old. Uh, by doing it that way. But the fact is, God created the earth, spoke it into existence, mature, and just as it is. And and then the other point that I want to reaffirm 
is Romans 5.12 makes it clear that death came after sin. You cannot have millions of years of death and sin and destruction, uh, death and destruction before sin. You just can't have it. Uh, and all of these other beliefs that cry, try to say, well, yeah, man, I believe in young mankind, but old earth. They have a huge theological problem uh, because, as you said, where did death and destruction come from? Uh, somehow God must have created it. Uh, you can't blame it on man the way the Bible does because, you know, you're claiming that it, it existed before man did. So it's it's a huge problem, isn't it? it? It is a big problem. And, you know, Jesus told us how to tell the difference here. He, he warned of uh, false teachings, wolves dressed as sheep. And he told us, so he, he said, the way you tell good from evil is by the fruit, by what they produce. Well, the old earth beliefs, based on the denial of the global flood and belief in uniform processes that uh, are now worshipped today, think about this, JB, and everyone that, that's playing around by, by replacing the biblical Jesus with these old earth Jesuses, think about this. The fruit of these old earth beliefs invented 200, 220 years ago are Darwinism, naturalism, humanism, modern atheism, agnosticism, all the false Christ being projected today, theistic evolution, progressive creation, gap theories, etc. That's evil fruit. And the evil fruit of us accepting millions of years leading to Darwinism as a nation, we kicked creation and prayer out of our schools in 63 and started teaching our kids they evolve over billions of years without God based on uniformity and no global flood. Now the evil fruit of that is the drug culture, the sexual revolution, abortion, now pornography, transgenderism, homosexuality, on and on it goes. These are all fruits that go right back to millions of years beliefs that were only invented 220 years ago and didn't start to become popular until about 150 years ago. My friends, if you're a theistic evolutionist, a progressive creationist, a gap theorist, theorist, or if you worship any other Christ not found in the Bible, I hope you'll think about what JB and I are saying today. And if you need more information, Get my book cost. Get get that thumb drive with my five top teachings. First one's the top 10 Darwinian lies. Also covers the top 10 order of mistakes. Um, and get some information because uh, it's, it's a narrow, it's a straight gate and a narrow way that leads to life. And Jesus said, you, there be that find it. Mm. So we will take the broad path that leads to destruction. Yeah. So in, in the time in the time we have left, uh, you know, I want to make the connection clear here for our listeners about the Christian industrial complex. When you talk about false Christ and the Christian industrial complex, essentially what we're saying is that sadly, a lot of these false Christs are being propped up and promoted from within Christianity. Is that right? Over ninety percent of our seminaries and accredited Christian colleges teach these non-biblical Christs. Wow. Wow. So there you go. I mean, yeah, not, yeah, not all seminaries are made alike. I mean, it's just, it's so bizarre. In fact, um, well, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to get too much on a hobby horse there, but yeah, I mean, folks need to just get in the word of God, let the Bible speak for itself and, and recognize, as I've said many times, things are not always as they appear. Uh, well, Russ, you are awesome. Folks, you need to you need to get his stuff. You need to invite him into your church, into your organization. I have known him for almost 20 years now, and just, man, he's, he's spot on and he's on fire. Uh, and he, he will, he will resonate with your audience, particularly young people. Um, 
Invite him in for a debate. Invite him in for uh, uh, a conference. Uh, go see him when he's speaking. Check out his website, christianministries.org. Um, and I know he's going to be speaking at uh, some conferences upcoming. But, uh, man, just really appreciate you. Appreciate your time. Any closing thoughts before we wrap up? Just that the uh, the warnings on this are, are, there are so many in the New Testament, so mm -hmm. many warnings the last one I'd point out, 1 Timothy 4, verse 1. In the latter times, the last days prophecy, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. There are false Christ, false spirits, and, and false gospels out there, my friends. We need to be in God's word like an Abrian. You need to think about what JV says or what I say and compare it to God's word. Make sure that, that you're in God's word because it was a word that became flesh and dwelt among us, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's why I say word for word, cover to cover. Amen. Yeah, another one that comes to mind is 1 John 4, 1, which is the theme verse for my latest book, Spirit of the False Prophet. Uh, the Bible says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into uh, the world. And, um, you know, you know, so folks, this is a age of deception. We need more than ever before to be plugged into the Word of God, and um, and I'm just so grateful for guys like Russ that are out there at great cost. You know, he takes a lot of heat because there are, especially in the prophecy realm, there are a lot of people who who believe in an old earth. And, you know, I have friends and colleagues that believe that I, I love them. I respect them, but this is a big issue. And this is not one that is secondary or ancillary. It cuts right to the heart of the, the plain, normal, uh, reading of, of scripture. So, uh, so folks, uh, thanks for joining us for today, Russ. Thank you so much, my friend. We're going to have you back on again next month. Uh, looking forward to that. And, um, and folks, in the meantime, uh, check out notbyworks.org. You can learn all about our ministry there. You can sign up for our newsletter that comes out twice a week. It's a great way to stay in touch with us and be alerted when there's new content. Uh, just put your email address in the box at the bottom of the homepage at notbyworks.org. But until then, we will look forward to talking to everybody next time. God bless you. Have a great rest of the day.